empowered people make informed decisions that lead to living a life without regret. This is Sarah Kaki and Shauna Woods from Atlanta Divorce Law Group, and this is the Happily Ever After Divorce Podcast. Welcome to the Happily Ever After Divorce Podcast. I'm attorney Sarah Kaki with Atlanta Divorce Law Group, and I'm joined by our very own managing partner, Shauna Woods. Shauna, today we are going to do a list again, and I think this list will be very helpful to mainly potential future clients of a divorce law firm or our clients, anybody that wants to be an informed consumer of legal services. What we're talking about is how are ways that clients mess up their own divorce case. And we're going to break this apart by having Shauna make, give us a list of top 10 ways just so we can bring some humor to this and not keep it so heavy. Top 10 ways clients mess up their own divorce case. This is not because they want to mess up their divorce case. This is not because there's anything inherently wrong with them, but when tensions are high, emotions are high, and you feel like there's a lot at stake and you're feeling your identity is being threatened, and divorce can make a lot of people feel that way, that their identity is being threatened, there is an increasing need for control or an increasing need to get your fingers on everything that's going on. And sometimes it can be to your own detriment. So Shauna, I am going to ask you to take us off with what is the top, well, actually let's start with number 10 and we'll work our way up just like David Letterman used to do with his top 10 list. So what's the, one of the biggest ways clients mess up their own divorce case? Okay, so if we're going to start off with number 10 and work our way down. So number 10, flaunting a new relationship. Ooh, yes. That's rough, man. I got to tell you, like, I know divorces can take a long time. Sometimes they can take years. And it is hard not to, for some people, to start a new relationship or start dating. But the fact of the matter is, it may not mess you up legally, but it is going to mess up that other person and it's going to really delay the divorce case because you're dealing with someone else's psychological demons, right? right? Seeing you move on while you're actually still married. And if you have kids to boot, oh, Lordy, right. You know, it, it is, it is just a mess waiting to happen, but I cannot tell you how many times people will come to me and they may have only been doing this about three, six months. When can I start dating? Right. And top 10 don't do. I think you're absolutely right. Once you push that button, that brings the resentment out in the other party. A divorce that could have been transactional, right? That could have just been a matter of attorneys negotiating some terms out can turn into all of a sudden something completely unnecessary and turn into litigation because the underlying factor is deeply emotional and psychological and has a lot of resentment built into it. It's a good one. Yeah. All right. What's your number nine? All right. My number nine is staying in the victimhood. Ooh. And this is a hard one because it is rough going through a divorce, especially if you did not anticipate it. If you're not the one who wanted it or if you're not the one who started it, or even if you are, and there's been some raw hurt feelings there. If you stay in your victimhood, you never take control of the situation. You are always giving your power and control over to somebody else. Whether that's your attorney, whether it's the opposing side, whether it's the court. And at some point in time, you have to take control back of the situation. And I don't mean, you know, 
be overly controlling. I'm talking about getting out of your own way. 100%. I think that if you don't release being feeling like a victim of a situation, and I think most people some point in their lives have felt that way. I don't, very rare that anybody can say that never in a situation felt like a victim, but hopefully higher level of awareness kicks in and you're saying, okay, this happened. I didn't, this wasn't on my terms. It's not something I would have wanted. What's the next best thing I can do? But if you don't bring that awareness and you don't overcome that identity of I was a victim in my divorce, when your spouse stops listening to you being upset about it, stops listening to you saying how hurt you are about it, you will take that role and you'll start playing that role with your children. You'll start playing that role with your attorney, like you mentioned. And then that's usually how you see clients who go through multiple attorneys because Every attorney they encounter, they kind of take the, the perpetrator role of the spouse that let, let go of them and they replace it with an attorney. Then they replace it with the next attorney because they're perpetually now identifying themselves with the victim mentality and they can't let go of it. And they want to play that role with anybody that will play along. And not only that, that role becomes so ingrained in them that they must be the victim. Right. Right. And so they set themselves up for failure in the divorce by announcing, I am the victim in this. Yes. And deciding that's their role and that's what they're going to play. And the results will probably make you feel that will validate that. Absolutely. Self-fulfilling prophecy on that end. For sure. So that was... That was number nine. So what's your eighth? Okay. So my eight, you kind of hit on that. My number eight, you actually hit on it a little bit. Hiring the wrong attorney. Mm. It is so essential, first of all, that you have an attorney that is experienced in the area in divorce law. This is what they do. You don't want to hire an attorney who does this and car crashes or this in personal injury or criminal or whatever, or does this on a side because you're right. Like going and getting a heart surgery from the doctor that also does knee surgeries. Right. And the other thing you want to listen for is your attorney a yes man. Mm. Does your attorney say, yes, we can do that. Every single time you ask for for something outlandish when you're talking to attorneys, I really do encourage people to do this. Ask a really big ask and see what their response is. Because what you're trying to do is not only hire somebody who's going to advocate for you, sure, but you're also going to have to hire somebody who's going to give you that gut reality check right? so that you don't end up in litigation when they're telling you, oh, absolutely, right? we can get 80% of the right. assets. You know, hiring the right attorney for getting the job done is essential. I, I 100% agree. And I think if there's one criteria is is this person that you're looking to hire dedicated to making you a conformed consumer of the legal services? Every step of the way, do you feel informed on the cost benefit analysis of your decisions? The decision at the end of the day is yours, but are you feeling informed on gains and consequences? Yeah. All right. What's your number seven? Number seven comes closely next to that one. It's arguing with your own attorney. (laughs) If you are arguing with your attorney, this is the wrong relationship with you, right. okay? Your attorney is there to give you advice, to help you along the way, to, to advocate for you. And there are a lot of times when I do have to tell people, no, I can't do it that way, or no, that's not the best way to do it. But my follow-up question is, what are we trying to do, right? right? Because simply because you want that door closed because the wind is coming in 
And I'm thinking, actually, you know what? There's a wall. We can move over here to block the wind and leave the door open because we need to leave the door mm-hmm. open. That's just an example of a very small thing that you should be having discussions with your attorney about. This is what I want to accomplish. How can you help me accomplish that? But if you find yourself in a day-to-day or even week-to-week argument with your own attorney, one of you shouldn't be there. Yeah. I mean, I think that if you can't have trust and a confidence in who you're working with in your team, that relationship's poisoned Mm -hmm. and probably best off not continuing on. I mean, we've had clients who've come to us who are working with another firm and they ask if they could switch over to us. And I'm very clear with them, unless you feel that you can trust us. And obviously we have to earn that trust. There's a few things initially we have to do to earn that trust. Like informing you of your decisions, having a proper strategy session, giving you the lay of the land, showing you a proper game plan, showing you how we do things. But if you can't get past trust with with a firm, really better off not doing it. Absolutely. I don't think there's anything worse than going through a divorce, not feeling that you have someone in your corner, someone in your corner, but also that the people that you can depend on to say, hey, you need to stop. Or let's go forward, right? You have to be able to have that kind of trust to have them call you out right? when you're doing something that is detrimental. All right. All right, Shauna, what's your number six? Number six. Ooh, and this is a good one. Involving the children in the divorce process. Oh, boy. Absolutely one of my least favorite things. Yeah, it's an eek one. It's an eek one. It is so bad. Um, And we're talking about using your kids as spies for the other person. You know, what's going on at dad's house? What's going on at mom's house? Who was at mom's house? What did you guys go do? Right. Instead of just letting the the conversation flow naturally. Right. Or using them as a sounding board. Right. You want to, I get this all the time. My kids deserve to know the truth. Mm -hmm. I hate that. No, your kids deserve to be kids. Right. Your truth is your truth. Right. Your spouse's truth is your spouse's truth. And then there's this whole other truth that the kids get to have all to themselves. Right. So overly involving the children, not only is that going to tank your divorce case, it is going to set your children up for failure in the future. And it may very well set you up to lose custody of your children. It's called parental alienation, folks. All right. What's your number five? All right. My number five is agreeing to terms you should not. Okay. Okay. And this comes from when somebody's getting worn down and they're impatient and they just want it over and they just want it done. And either they feel guilty or they're ready to move on and flaunt that new relationship. And there's something in there they don't quite like and they really can't live with and they haven't done the math, but they just want it over. So they're going to agree to it. Mm-hmm. That is a classic example of why people come back to me on modifications to say, can you fix what I did? And a lot of times I have to say, no, I cannot. Yeah. Right. Once you've separated out those assets and debts, and for the most part, once you've set spousal support, those things are probably not going to be undone. Assets and debts are not going to be undone. Spousal support's a big fat maybe. But do not agree to terms that you do not understand or that you do not think that you can do in the future. There's no second bite of the apple. We see this all the time with modification cases where they've agreed to something that they never 
believed in or wanted, but they're like, everything else was said, everything else was good. I just figured we could change this later. Or we kind of had an agreement amongst the two of us that we would, you know, just deal with this later. And it usually doesn't turn out. Okay. So what's your number four? Number four, acting out in anger. Okay. Okay. Kind of the flip side of settling for things because you just want to go along to get along. You just want this over. Refusing to enter into a good settlement agreement because you're pissed off about something. Usually about something somebody else said, about maybe they're in a relationship, about something that happened with the kids. It's a good settlement on the t- on the table, but you're so angry. You're so wrapped mm-hmm. up in that anger that you can't let it go and you lose the good deal. That's unfortunately, we see that a lot where the attorneys in the office, the paralegals are like, oh my God, we got everything that they initially asked for. And more. <laughs> and more. And again, going back to the whole victim, not being able to let go of being the victim, it's Everything that intellectually and reasonably that was on the table that you said that you wanted, you get, but emotionally something you're not done. Yeah. And it could come from resentment, but that's why therapy is so important during this process. All right. What is your number three? My number three, that was kind of a twofold, hiding assets or refusing to turning over documents. Oh, yeah. Talk about our office or any office. This is a very kind of well-known joke among family law attorneys that our clients will not produce documents to us, right? Mm -hmm. Now, every once in a while, I have a client who is the most organized, love them. They will come to me with, here's my files. Here's everything that you've asked for. Here's everything they've asked for. Here's it in dates and times and coded. Let me tell you, they keep their attorney's fees down doing that. Yeah. But the vast majority of people... We're having to follow up with, not just us. This is a very common thing that people do. Why did they ask for that? Well, how come they have to have it? Well, is the court going to make them? First of all, yes, the court's going to make you. Okay. So the vast majority of time, unless your attorney has told you there's a valid objection, you're turning over these documents. Just get them together. Just face it. It's something you have to do, like taking down Christmas decorations after January 1st. You just have to suck it up and do it. Yep. It really is a suck it up and do it kind of thing. And the reason I'm I'm putting this in with hiding assets, because a lot of the time people aren't hiding assets. And let's face it, a lot of time we just don't want to do it. It's a lot of work. But what happens is the other side now thinks you're hiding assets. Mm-hmm. Oh, you don't want us to see your credit card statements from two years ago. What did you buy? Who did you buy it with? Right. Right. There's so many unknowns here. I tell you, transparency is the key to getting a divorce over quickly. You know, I think that also a lot of times when one party just wants to give you a hard time being divorced, this is a classic way they do it is just by forcing you to produce a lot of stuff that they know is a headache and they know is just going witch hunting. But it all goes back to what we've talked about in previous episodes. What meaning are you going to attach to the fact that you have to produce this. If you just attach the meaning of the same thing that just Shauna said, you know what? January 1st, I have to take down the Christmas tree. It's part of the process. You just treat it as like, this sucks, but it's part of the process. I have to do it. Then all that emotional resistance won't eat you up. And that emotional resistance is actually taking a lot more energy out of you than just doing it. So just do it. And, um, you know, you could save a lot of attorney's fees if 
you participate in that process yourself. Yeah. All right. I think we're down to number two. Number two. And this one's a big one. And not a lot of people do this anymore, but when they do it, oh, they do it spectacularly. Acting out on social media. Oh, boy. You know how I feel about all that. I do know how you feel about it. And quite frankly, I think we're all at that stage right now where we're sick of it. This vague booking, mm-hmm. you know, one of the, but acting out on social media can be posting things about being in a relationship with a narcissist right. and then welcoming the comments and engaging in the comments and relishing in this or doing some vague posting about, oh, I wish I had a good co-parent. Da, 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 right. da, da. That's helping no one. First of all, the people who are in your comments and they're giving you suggestions, they don't know anything about your case, about the law, or about what we're trying to accomplish. So stop trying to get validation from the crazies on social media. Period. Yes. Yes. Secondly, I'll use it in court against you. Hands down, I have won and lost cases on Facebook postings. Because people can get that ridiculous. And the judges are looking at you. It is like you are standing in the middle of town square, airing out your dirty laundry for everyone to see. And it's not pretty. And at some point, if you have kids, they're going to see it. They're going to see it. Your aunts, your uncles, your cousins, by the way, your future employers. Right. Your future relationships. All of these people are going to see what you're doing and think that that you're being sly. Let me just tell you, you're not. You know, I'm not going to get on my social media soapbox. All I'll say is when you put things out for everyone to see, just take a moment and ask yourself, how will this age? Yes. That's just 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 take do that, please. I always say read it out loud as if you were the judge in your case. Uh, There you go. And if you don't like the way it sounds, it's probably the way it sounds. (laughs) (laughs) All right. The number one. Okay, here we go. And I think all of this gets tied into the number one mistake most people make. Not getting therapy. Oh, yep. Yep. Like if you are going through a divorce case, if you're considering going through a divorce case, if you just went through a divorce case, get therapy. Period. I think that everything you identified in that list, Shauna, goes to basic human needs that are feeling under pressure or under tension, the need to be liked, the need to be appreciated, the need to be loved, the need to be right, the need to be in control, the need for security, the need for self-esteem. All those are wrapped up, our identities wrapped up in them. And this process, we've said it so many times, is such an attack on your identity and therefore attack on these basic human needs that you have of who am I? What, what am I outside of this? Right. And these are basically symptoms, right? Visual, visual symptoms of somebody trying some way to find some sort of control, find some way of feeling appreciated, some way of feeling like their life is still in their hands or, they have, um, they are right about everything that they believed all along, right? That's probably the biggest conflict, an internal conflict. Have I been wrong about everything about myself and my life all along? And now you're trying to find some way to put this puzzle back together. And instead of doing it in a healthy way in therapy, where you take that time and really do some dig deep <laughs> into yourself and 
see this as an opportunity to transition to a higher level of awareness about yourself and who you are and how you show up. You go for a lower level of awareness of just lashing on to anything you can, like a monkey in tree branches. And we've all been through that in different ways and different life events. So we can relate to that. But therapy is where you can take all that emotional, messy stuff and, you know, basically dissect it in a safe environment instead of doing that in a passive aggressive way through your divorce case and burning through your resources, burning through your attorney's fees and burning through your support group. Absolutely. And if you feel that, you know, a little called out by this podcast or anything we said, first of all, it is a little bit tongue in cheek, but the reality is the situation you said it, we've all been there. We've all been in situations where we have shown up not acting our best. And the best thing for it is to realize it, to hear it when somebody else says it, even laugh about it a little bit to yourself, right? right? Yes, I did that. Let me get better. And therapy is the key way to doing that. Anytime someone comes to see me, one of my first questions, and I know it's yours, Sarah, are you in therapy? Yeah. And if you're not, may I suggest one for you? Right. I mean, it's why one of the reasons our firm offers complimentary support group run by a licensed family therapist is for those who can't get therapy on their own. We try to give them something so that they are checking that, checking themselves at the door before they bring in something current that's emotional that is going to ruin their future. Absolutely. Thank you, Shauna. That was a great list. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Happily Ever After Divorce Podcast. If you'd like to learn more, go to atlantadivorcelawgroup.com forward slash resources.